You're listening to the Bible 126 podcast. Therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Please now turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm starting in verse 7. He says, to give those who are troubled rest with us, and I'm starting at this point, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. So there is no way that anybody is going to avoid this day of which the apostle is speaking. Which is why, of course, he uses the word when. We're not talking tonight about an airy fairy invention. We're talking about the ticking of the clock and the turning of the calendar and the passing of the years, which is inexorably, unrelentingly, unstoppingly moving towards a day on the calendar which we can't name. The apostle, when he talks about the second coming, never talks in terms of if or maybe or perhaps. And that's the way that we must come at this subject tonight. We are talking about a certainty. The only thing is uncertain is when it will take place. Now look at verse 7. When? Then he says, it's a day of revealing. When the Lord Jesus Christ is, re when the Lord Jesus is revealed. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and after presenting himself alive by many infallible proofs and went back to heaven, you certainly can't believe that he will come from heaven the second time, but he will. And we read in our verse, all the nations will be gathered before him. Our Lord suffered terribly. They laid him in the grave. When that Sunday broke, the grave was empty, although the grave clothes were undisturbed. Over the next nearly six weeks, he was seen, sometimes by one, sometimes by two or three, on a number of occasions by eleven, and on one notable occasion by over five hundred at once. And then he went back to glory, and he's coming back to earth at the, in the same way as he went back. The glory of it all is we don't know when. When the day comes, ordinary unconverted people will be doing their ordinary things. In one home, says Jesus, they'll be planning a marriage. In another, they'll be buying or selling. In another, they'll be preparing a meal or drinking. Meanwhile, true Christians are longing for the second coming of Christ. They know the resurrected Christ. They know him by his word and spirit. They're looking forward to seeing him. They've never seen him, not one of them, but they love him. And they're looking forward to the day he will burst into the sky with all the holy angels with him. And then there will be the great gathering. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a tremendous day. Look at verse 32. All the nations will be gathered before him. We would expect the Jews to be there, wouldn't we? Abraham. God spoke to him, brought him out of pagan darkness. Isaac commanded to bring his family under the government of God. Jacob and his many sons, Moses, the names live on in our memories, David, the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, John the Baptist, Jesus, the early apostles, 
We would expect the Jews to be there. They will be there. An island nation like our own, which has known the gospel through many centuries, they'll be there. I'm often astonished by the sheer weight of what I'm saying. I wish I had the words to put it over to you. When I open my history book and read about the kings and queens, when I read about the great men and women of letters or science or military affairs, sometimes that thought just startles me again and comes to my my heart with tremendous power. That they will be there. They will all be there at the resurrection day. At school, I was fascinated and interested by Greek and Roman history. Very young in the faith in those days, but the thought comes to me now when I read about Herodotus. When I read about these ancient historians and their great achievements, these were before Christ came. Many of these, but they will be there. It's going to be a tremendous day. It's going to be a gathering of the whole human race, and there will be that great white throne. The Bible uses simple words which are astonishing in their force. The Son of God will come back. He's called the Son of Man here to remind us that the one who's coming back is the very one who walked amongst us. There'll be that great white throne. What does that actually mean? We'll understand those simple words, I think, when at last we see the Son of God in His glory. There will still be the seraphim who will be too dazzled to look at Him. There'll still be all the holy angels, like great courtiers, all around Him, and there'll be this great white throne set up. And all the nations will be there. It's a tremendous day. It's a terrific hour. And what a crowd! We will never have seen a crowd like this. It's calculated that there are more people alive today than have lived in the past. I don't know if that's true or not. But think of millions, and then think of billions. Think of people of all backgrounds and all ages, of all centuries, of all types, of all languages. This is the scene which the Scripture puts before us, and our and our language fails under the the sheer enormity of what the Scripture is telling us. And on every man and woman a verdict, and for every man and woman a destination. That's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the gathering. Verse thirty-two: All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Obviously, the Lord is talking about individuals separating one sheep from one goat, one sheep from one goat, one sheep from one goat, sheep, goats. There is no third group. Now, do you know the reason why there's no third group? There's never been a third group. That's the reason. There's no such thing as any in-between group. Between sheep and goats, alive and dead, Scripture puts it like light and darkness. There's light, or there's darkness, but there's no third category. Scripture puts it like this: some people are forgiven, and some people are not forgiven. But, ladies and gentlemen, there is no third category. Or Scripture puts it like this. There's the kingdom of Christ, 
and the kingdom of Satan. You all know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. I think there's not a young person or a man or a woman in church tonight who does not know that the great second person of the Godhead took upon himself human nature without taking on himself human sin. You all know that God, the second person of the Trinity, took upon himself manhood and so was and is and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and yet one person. You all know that our planet has been graced with an incarnate God. You all know that God has been manifest in our flesh, that human hands were crucified at Golgotha. But the person who was crucified at Golgotha was the God who made us all. You all know that a body was taken down from the cross and put in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. But the body was the body of he who is our creator. And you all know that that same body came out of the grave in the power of an endless life. And after 40 days he returned to heaven. And it's that Lord Jesus Christ who is God and man, who lived and died and was buried and who rose again from the dead and presented himself alive by many infallible proofs and is now in heaven seated. It is that Lord Jesus Christ who is coming back. He is the one who will be seen, who will be revealed. Look from where he will come and who he will come with. Verse 7. He comes from heaven. But when the Lord Jesus returns, he will come with his angels, the angels of his power. Daniel was a godly man, but when he saw one angel, he fell down as dead. Good shepherds on a Bethlehem hillside saw one angel and then a whole company of angels. And we read that they were terrified. We in all our sin, when we stand in the presence of purity, are struck dumb. Those pure creatures would be only the attendants of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you, if you can, and I'm sure you can't, I want you to imagine a flame which could not be brighter, but which cannot, of course, be any less bright than it is. I want you to imagine a flame which is so bright that it is infinitely bright, that it could not be brighter, that it's always been like that, from eternity to eternity. I want you to remember that Jehovah, the great God of Scripture, the Lord, is one God, and yet there are three who are God, and that the Lord Jesus Christ is God, and he is holy. I want you to remember that when Isaiah saw the Lord in the temple, as John chapter 12 tells us, it was the Lord Jesus Christ that he saw. And I want you to know that history is moving forward to this enormous, enormously wonderful day when the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed from heaven with the angels of his power in flaming fire.
History is moving. The clock is ticking. The days are being ticked off on the calendar. But they are all moving forward to this day. And even in God's book, ladies and gentlemen, the language cannot fully convey to us the wonder and glory and immensity and power of that day and how we will feel and how startled and moved we will be when at last that great day breaks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can see more podcasts on anchor.fm forward slash Bible 126. Also, there is a feature there where you can sponsor or make a donation to this page. Thank you and stay tuned for more episodes.